Hello and welcome, my friends, to the March Reefer Madness Showdown. I'm Heavy Days, here to give you my rundown of the playoffs. Firstly, a big thank you to Speakeasy Seed Bank for this great idea. I've really enjoyed it, so a huge shout out to them for coming up with this. It wouldn't have been possible without their original creativity. Likewise, shout out to our sponsors, Seeds Here Now, Radio Ridge Nursery, Top Shelf Seed Bank. Go check them all out if you want the best in the game. So, before we get into it, I just want to give a quick rundown first. I made these brackets intentionally with the idea that they would be challenging. I wanted each of the initial playoffs to be a hard decision. I didn't want people to only get under the pump when we get to the final rounds. It's no fun in that. So I purposely designed these to be challenging and so that people would be conflicted. That's the idea. Some comparisons are easy picks for some, others are much more hard. There's going to be a lot of subjectivity to all these picks, but here's my rundown. Up first, we have Bubba Kush versus Trainwreck. It's an old school playoff between two of the old heavy hitters. But which one will come out supreme? I did this particular matchup because a lot of old school strains are a bit harder to match up against the newer school ones. There's a cognitive bias, I think, and a lot of the time the newer strain will often win just due to a greater familiarity. Originally, I created this bracket and had Trainwreck cross Romulan. But I changed it because I kind of thought, well, I'm not confident enough people have really tried Romulan to weigh in correctly versus Trainwreck, which a lot of people have tried. For me, Trainwreck is a fantastic sativa. In my most recent trip to the United States in 2019, I was able to grab a nice bag of it from Mr. Bob Hemphill and Hannah Bolt. And gee whiz, was it phenomenal, phenomenal weed. It was only the second time I'd ever tried it, after one initial time from Duke when I was in Colorado years ago, and the uplifting, soaring, stimulating high from this was just phenomenal. I really like the terps that are in that general area of Jack Herrera, kind of mango-y, spicy pepper type of thing. I myself am not burnt out on the train wreck like many people are. So to me, it's some very good weed. And considering no one really grows sativas anymore, it was one that I enjoyed even a little bit more. Bubba, on the other hand, is another tried and true strain. And it was actually the first strain I really fell in love with and considered a favorite of mine. When I first started smoking good quality cannabis that had proper strain names and smells and highs, it was mostly stuff imported from the USA. And Bubba was one of the first that really captivated me. It still to this day holds a spot in my heart for that reason. It's a gorgeous indica with really nice relaxing effects, just earthy, chocolatey coffee flavors, a little bit of leather in there. She's just a standout. In fact, I used to have a nice cutting from the Calicon at Bubba Kush BX2. I used to call it Tiny Bomb. I think I was watching a lot of Subcool around that time, that's why. And she was just the most gorgeous, great Bubba plant. I still miss her to this day, and I remember smoking the last bud of it after I had lost the cutting. Overall, this was a really hard one for me because I'm much more of a sativa head these days than I am into my Indicas. But nevertheless, I couldn't deny it. Bubba came out on top.
Up next, we have Chemdog91 versus Purple Urkel, two heavyweight indicas that have amassed a huge following and are both notoriously hard to get proper original cuts of them. This pair up was done similarly because I felt like these two strains were around in the same areas in Cali and were held by the similar extended group of people. They both amassed a huge following and have still got a huge following to this day. I also wanted to make this bracket hard remember and I think this is truly a hard pair up. The Chem 91, what is there to say? the queen of contemporary cannabis, without equal impotency, the only weed to bring a grown man to his knees in one big bong rip, mother to countless clone onlys, earthy, skunky, and a tiny, subtle bit of chem on the back of the palate which teases you wanting a little more. And overall, it's a great Afghanica plant. Whereas the Urkel has some of the most beautiful aesthetics, extremely medicinal and flavour town smoke you'll come across, all while boasting a very impressive lineage coming off her. Nice grape wine and the quintessential purple flavour is what this girl's made of. Overall, this one to me goes to the Chem 91. I like the Urkel, but her potency just is nowhere near the same level to stand up to the chem. And although she does have a nice flavour, the overall effect of the 91 just does it better for me. Coming in next, we have the Thai Stick versus Northern Lights. This is a Sativa versus Indica old school staple throwdown. I don't know if we could possibly have two more distant strains going head to head at it, but this is it. I decided I wanted to rule one of the big hitters out of the game off the bat in this first bracket, so here it is. But boy is it a hard one. I've only ever tried samples of a few different Northern Lights that were also filial bred and crosses. I've tried Melvinetics Northern Lights 5 clone only from Cody of Dominion Seed Co and that was really nice. But I'm sure there's lots of other really good Northern Lights clones out there that people have a lot of fond memories of. The Northern Lights has given rise to many strains, particularly the NL5, which is just a powerhouse in its own right. It can barely be stated how big of an impact this strain has had on the industry as a whole. It's given birth to the Northern Lights 5 Haze, to Jack Herrera. In fact, you know what? I'm not even going to start mentioning names. It would just be silly. We'd be here forever. We all know what this strain's done. However, the Thai stick is known lightweight. It's responsible for possibly some of the most psychedelic and amazing soaring sativa highs you've ever had. This thing is a monster in its own right. It's 50% of haze, the real haze, and it's 100% fun when you smoke it. A strong tie is not for the faint of heart. It'll get you up and moving and dancing, but it can also make you so paranoid that you have to go eat food to come down. Many people have fond memories of the tie stick and the youthful fun it gave rise to. For me being a sativa head, I have a certain reverence for the tie in that I'm aware that all phenomenal sativas rely on it in their backbone somewhere. In fact, a fond memory of mine was 
smoking some Thai that was found around the Thai-Vietnam border by Bodhi. Grown by him, some of the most memorable weed I've had to this day. Socially stimulating, uplifting, energetic, talkative, giggly. It was party in the form of a weed. With beautiful, crystally pearl-shaped calyxes alternating up a spindly vine of a branch, you'd get barely a joint worth of what should have been a full bud. For me, without a doubt, this one goes to the tie. There's many indicas in this world, guys. There's only one tie. Coming hot in next, we got Sawa versus the Chem D, aka the Goat. This to me is the East Coast showdown. This is a fan favorite of guys in Mass, New York, Cali, and crews alike. I purposely did this one because so many guys I know from the East Coast will say in one conversation, Sour is the goat, and in another, Chem D is the goat. Time to make the decision, gang. What's it gonna be? This is a tough one. Sour needs little introduction, a hybrid of the chem that changed the face of cannabis in the early 2000s, gaining a cult-like reverence for those seeking the sour. Its euphoric and creative highs are legendary, with notable mentions from Mr. Soul, Duke Diamond, and Skunk VA, and many other people alike who have all enjoyed the sour. With true chemi sour flavor that coats the palate, makes you squint your eyes and flare your nostrils, with lime green, small pearl-like buds, this one converts smokers almost immediately. However, how could we forget the goat? Well, at least what's referred to as the goat within the chem disciple community. The chem D, offering larger yields and more pungent terps than the 91, has gained a huge following in its own right. Being renowned for its rank meat, skunky, disgusting smell, the Chem D has something for everyone. Being one half of the GMO and countless other crosses that have gone on to become flavours of the month, the Chem D has a huge lineage to try to stand against, which is inherent when talking about any of the original Chem cuts. For me, the best Chem D I ever smoked was from Duke Diamond in Colorado a few years back. That garlicky, skunky, rotten meat that we've all come and known to love. For me, the Chem D takes the win, guys. Sorry to all the Sour fans, but for me, Chem D's just out edges this one. Next in line, OG Kush versus Cookies. Ooh, this is a mashup that I'm sure would have many people frustrated. Again, that's what these brackets were designed to do. Mama vs daughter, or at least some relationship, countless people who are familiar with both plants will tell you there's some similarity, especially in structure, potency and aesthetics. OG being an intermediate of the old school strains and the new school, in stark contrast to the clearly new school era that cookies fundamentally reigned in, this is a showdown that people should have stock in both corners. OG Kush. What am I referring to? Well, for me, when someone says OG Kush, I'm thinking of the Lemon OGs, the SFVs, the Gassy OGs, the High Octanes, the Larrys, the Triple Xs, all of that stuff that took the West Coast by storm. You know what I'm talking about. The Jew Golds, the Kosher Kushes. These are what I think of and what I think most people think of when you say OG Kush. 
especially those who are just kind of smokers and not growers. Most people would love to smoke some of these buds and the truth is that a really, really well-grown 10-week flowered OG Kush is some of the best herb you'll ever smoke and I believe that, both from smoking other people's and from personal experience. The offspring given off by OG is like others mentioned in this list, simply too big to be even to begin mentioning. However, I couldn't have put OG Kush up against a pushover, it would just be a no contest. As such, the obvious choice was always cookies. This is a powerhouse in itself, a game changer undeniably. Something I've always felt was that because the Australian scene was so different to the USA scene, we just didn't get the same degree of overexposure. Cookies has always been a hot commodity in Australia because generally speaking it was imported and of really good quality. I've smoked many more phenomenal batches of cookies than I have bad batches of cookies, which I'm not sure many USA people would say. Most of the bad cookies anyway was from seed and it's because those finos generally look nothing like the real deal. To me, cookies has a gorgeous cookie dough flavor, sweet, but with a strange peppery side note in many of the cuts. It's got a glorious warm feeling inside that just relaxes you and makes you feel peaceful. It's one of the most all round smokes in my experience. Sure, it's indica, but it's great for the day to just have one and just kind of unwind a little bit and keep going and it doesn't really lower your mood too much. Personally, I don't feel like the hype around the cookies detracts from my personal enjoyment of it. And one of my favorite quotes regarding the cookies comes from Inspector of CSI Humboldt slash Pirates of the Emerald Triangle where he said, if I'd never had cookies and you gave me a bud of it, I'd probably say it's some of the best weed on earth, both smoke and aesthetics. And to be honest, I agree with him. For me, cookies over OG. It's not an easy pick, but it's a pick in my mind I'm happy with. Now we have the Roadkill Skunk vs Northern Lights 5 Haze, an old school classic between two giants. The interesting thing is that the Roadkill Skunk is really not available anymore. However, you can find NL5 Haze around and many of them still have a huge following like the Cuban Black Haze. These are two older strains that have a huge following but have really fallen by the wayside to many casual smokers and many would have little idea about these strains. I guess what I'm saying is this one's for the heads out there. It's an interesting matchup because honestly, whenever people talk about loving haze, I think 80% of the time they're talking about NL5 haze, like the PIF, you know, Uptown PIF, Black Cuban haze, or any of the general Cuban five, uh, NL5 hazes like the cough. 
these are all really nice haze expressions that have been tamed by the NL to be more manageable indoors. The highs are often racy, uplifting, paranoia-inducing. Heck, I remember smoking some at the Brothers Grimm facility in Colorado many years ago with, with Mr. Sol and Duke. Three bong hits deep, I was so anxious I had to hit the chem dog to bring myself back down. It was insane. And I tell you what, you could live your life just ebbing and flowing between those two extremes. I, however, have never had the road kill. And to be honest, this is just more of a historical view and take on things. Many people hypothesize that the mass super skunk might have been the roadkill, but many suggest that the roadkill might have been a variety of strains that just had a common terpene profile. It's almost maybe even an artifact of the drying process. Regardless, reports are consistent in their comparison of this strain smelling like a dead ringer for a dead skunk. Stories of smelling the bag in someone's pockets meters before they even entered the house were common and reminiscent of a time when dank or kind bud was scarce and revered. Sadly, the roadkill is not around anymore from what we can tell. However, I'm sure that profile will eventually pop its head back up. Overall, I'm going to give this one to the NL5 Haze. It's amazing. It's still around. Get it in your lungs. The piff, the black Cuban haze, even the cough. They're all fantastic reminders of the legendary work that Neville and the early pioneer breeders in our community accomplished. The NL5 haze was truly Neville's magnum opus, and we're all honored to have been able to experience it. Up next, we have a battle far from the Middle East with two Indica workhorses. Much of the future generations would be built off. Afghani versus Hashplant, two of the original offerings of many of the legendary original seed banks, such as The Seed Bank, SSSC, and Sensi Seeds, just to name a few. This bracket was designed to put the Afghanica lovers like myself under some pressure and pick what they would like. Do you want a more stretchy, fruity, fun Afghani? Or do you want a stocky, stone-to-the-bone narcotic indica that'll sit you on your ass like the hash plant? This is, of course, just one example, given the breadth of diversity within these two lines. Both are capable of giving a variety of results. However, I stand by my example as a tried and tested regular experience of each strain. The Afghani has so much provenance to it that it's hard to compare much to it. Having given rise to countless clones, the Afghani Bull Rider, Alien Technology, the LA Afi, Garlic Bud, Maple Leaf Indica, the list is endless. It's also been used in countless breeding projects, most notably the backbone of JJ's ChemD Backcross, which went on to make the Trez Dog and even Star Dog, as just one example. I've been lucky enough to have a variety of gorgeous Afghani buds over the years, some very notably fruity Afghani Kush that made me honestly believe in a higher power. It was everything I loved about Indicas, functional, enjoyable and relaxing, but not putting me to sleep instantly. The high was both medicinal and functional, though this could just be subjective. The hash plant on the other hand is the backbone of many Indica lovers crosses, giving rise to the seed banks, the hash plant, and even Tom Hill's deep chunk, and some of the northern variety, the northern lights lines, such as NL1. This plant is a progenitor for many famous Afghani lines to come after it. For me, and many others, when we hear the word hash plant, we immediately think of the puck, also known as skelly hash plant. 
This pure hash plant cutting has been around since before the Chemdog and around the same cruise. It's got an A1 steak sauce, oily, leathery, savory flavor. She's hard to describe and her effects are seriously, seriously special. I remember smoking some of her for the first time from Duke Diamond and it was almost as memorable as the first time I smoked the 91. The link between the two is somewhat hard to deny after smoking both. Regardless, the hash plant is a killer old school strain that Neville and many others like Tom Hill had a hand in providing to the world. Overall, this was a really tough one for me and I had to meditate on it a lot, but I'm going to give it to the Afghani. She's got a lineage coming from her that's impressive to say the least, and she's provided me with some of my favourite types of smoke. Calm, relaxing, but still super functional. And if I'm honest, I'm more impartial to the fruity and sweeter, sweeter flavours anyway. The dank ones are great. I love Skelly. Don't get me wrong, but I do like fruity. By the way, thanks Rob for Skelly. We're also thrilled to hear you're doing better, dude. Keep on the up and up, my friend. We are at the final head-to-head -head for this bracket. Gelato vs Triangle Kush. Of course, the Flowrider OG, which is a grandparent in Gelato, is heavily suspected of being the Triangle Kush. So it's kind of a grandma vs granddaughter battle. The matriarch of the OG Kushes and the modern era versus one of the most popular new strains that the new school has to offer. A battle that hopefully some of the younger smokers are heavily invested in. For me, the gelato has always been something I admired in regards to the public following and hype it has amassed. However, I had never tried a batch for a number of years, and my first true experience of gelato was not overly memorable at the Emerald Cup, given it was outdoors and didn't particularly smoke very well. However, one of my more recent trips to the States, I tried some gelato 41 from the Barbary Coast that was from the official Shabinsky brand. I was chatting with my buddy Evan from Whole Plant Wellness as I took a bong hit just a few hours after landing off a plane from Australia. I stumbled around my words for a few sentences before I looked at him and said, dude, I am so fucked up from this weed. To which he replied, yeah man, I think I am as well. It was a fond memory I won't forget. From this moment, I took gelato and Shabinsky seriously. However, TK is a mistress to many connoisseur smokers. The lover and adoration I have for this strain is almost unlimited. She provides some of the highest quality smoke you have ever seen, and she's given rise to almost every OG you've ever smoked. One of the few plants I consider in contention with the 91 as a sort of sister in regards to impact, appeal, and in the same tier. The TK is an earthy smoke, small dense golf ball sized nugs that are absolutely covered in trichomes and when grown to their full expression you get an amazing high that makes you realise this plant is something special and something different. I'm eternally grateful to TK Origins and to Big Ricky for their contributions to bringing this strain to the scene and for being so selfless about it. I'm always humbled by the fact that neither of these two guys really want the spotlight on them for creating or finding or preserving one of the greatest strains in modern cannabis history. My favourite batch was from Duke Diamond in Colorado. It really redefined OG to me and made clear to me that this was the original. In case you hadn't picked up on it, it's a bit of a running trend. Many of the best batches of weed I've smoked were given to me by Duke Diamond or Skunk VA. 
overall. This one goes to the TK. Little surprise. While I have a lot of love for the Gelato 41 and the memory of its potency, TK is too hard to pass up in this head-to-head. She's in the special. She's in a special tier with a few others for good reason. And there we have it, my friends. The first bracket of the March Reefer Madness playoff done. What were your picks? Do you disagree? If so, try to think about why you're wrong compared to me. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I love this too much. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you didn't mind the music. I liked it, so that's all that matters, really. Stay tuned for the next bracket soon. I'll probably do it all in one go. As always, big thank you to our sponsors. Seeds here now, Top Shelf Seed Bank, Radio Ridge Nursery. Couldn't do it without you guys. Patreon gang, love you long time. If you want more content, check out the Patreon. I'll see you guys next time. We'll see you.